Have you guys had an awesome experience so far? So um, I, I don't know, but um, somebody just signed my jersey. And I'll tell you, this has been, this guy is, I just love his energy. Just, just, it was, this was absolutely awesome. I don't know what to say other than where are my questions, because I handed them to somebody, and you are in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody up, you're on your feet right now for the Black Mamba, the greatest there's ever been who's played this game, Kobe Bryant! Everybody! Tell, this, is a, this is the last day of what, four days? Three, three days. Three days? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's a little turned up in here already. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of energy in here. A lot of energy. All right. Of energy. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So, um, you guys ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. MVP! MVP! <laughs> MVP! 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 <laughs> Woo! So we're excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, we've, thank been, you. Uh, we've been working for three full days on, quite frankly, on being the best version of ourselves. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, our, our subconscious beliefs and our kind of old habits get, get, get in the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we've been working on. And, you know, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, when I decided on who I wanted to bring this year, I knew it had to be you because you represent nothing gets in your way. You're going to go out and make it happen. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the Mamba mentality is what we want to learn about today. Right, guys? Yeah? All right. So, uh, so I got a couple questions. Sure. And the first one is, you were born in Philadelphia. Yep. Yet you spent quite a bit of your time uh, as a child in Italy. Yep. Right? Uh, what was it like having to move away from the States learn a new language, and how did that experience play a role in who you ultimately became? Well, it was, uh, you know, when we moved, I was six, and you know, my sisters were seven and eight, and at the time, we didn't know anything. Right. Right, we were in Philadelphia, we didn't know much. You know, our parents kind of tricked us into saying, well, you know, at the age of 12, you could ride around on like a moped and drive around. That got us excited about moving to Italy. Right, so, right. Um, but once we moved over there, it was amazing because we didn't really understand, you know, kind of the, the, the shift that was occurring. Right. You know, you get there, um, you're immediately put into an Italian school right. where nobody speaks English. And uh, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. You have to adjust. And uh, I think it had a way of opening our minds a little bit more to what's possible mm. and uh, being able to or being willing comfortable to adapt to new things. I love it. I love it. So in a way, it was a good thing. It was a great thing. Great thing. Awesome. Great thing. Awesome. And I love that whenever you go back, like you go all in, you go watch the soccer games, you're, oh, yeah. you're all about it. Well, I mean, I'm basically Italian, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, we go on vacation, you know, because Vanessa, my wife, is, is Mexican and Italian. Uh -huh. and, 
Yeah, and when we go there, you know, I just walk around with her and I have my shades on and stuff. We're just walking around and stuff. And, you know, people that don't know, they'll go up to her and start speaking Italian to her. Really? And I'll just sit there and I'll just watch her. <laughs> and she'll look at me like translate and say, no, 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 I don't no. speak Italian. We got it. <laughs> Especially when we go shopping. And that's, I, don't, I don't speak any Italian then. When it comes to that, yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kobe, you're going to get a kick out of this. Do you know how we, we came up? We've been doing this event for four years. Okay. And we call it Relentless just because right before I decided to do the event, our company was reading the book Relentless. Oh, yeah. which Tim Grover wrote. Yeah. So I just happened to think that what a great name and what if we can get Tim Grover to come. Uh -huh. So at Relentless One, Tim was here and he shared with us what a cleaner was, at least what his definition of a cleaner is, right? Being that you're, I think, the embodiment of a cleaner and a winner, how did you being drafted 13th motivate you? Well, um, it's, uh, it's funny. So like, I had a couple teams that wanted to draft me. And you know, one was the LA Clippers at the time. You know, this was, it's not, it's not the Clippers of today. The ownership was a little different. Everything, there was a lot of different things about them. Right. But long story short, they decided not to draft me. And when I asked why, they said, well, if we draft you, uh, we don't think this market would take us very seriously. You drafted a high school kid. No joke. Wow. And so then when Charlotte drafted me, I get on the phone with their, at the time, president of basketball operations. And he gets on the phone, he tells me, say, all right, you know what's going on. You know we're trading you. I'm like, okay, I've kind of heard that. Right. So yeah, it's a good thing because we couldn't have used you anyway. Oh. You mother. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you, you, know, you, you go in the back and you have your draft hat on and you have all these cameras in front of you, people snapping pictures and I'm on the phone. And he's a basketball legend, so I'm excited to talk to him. And then he hits me with that. And so immediately, I, my, my shit just transformed. It was like, tomorrow, I'm working out. How much time do I got tonight? Let's get this shit done. I got to get to the gym. Right. You know what I mean? It just completely changed my mindset. So it had a lot to do with it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. This is the competitive fire. You don't say that to me, right. man. Absolutely. You lost your damn mind. Absolutely, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's disrespectful. So disrespectful. I, I got to ask, I, this is not on the questions, but what, I mean, when you played against Charlotte, did you have like that little extra what? fire? Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. I had a shot at the buzzer to beat him in, uh, in 2001 in Charlotte. And it was a, such a great thing. I love that. Yeah, I love it was that. awesome. That's awesome. I love that. So next question, Kobe. Um, I remember your final time. I remember clearly watching this day. You were playing for Team USA. And I think you guys were playing Spain for the championship. It, yeah. It might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong. Okay. And I remember it's like, you know, you were with all the greats. I think LeBron was on that team. I think Ray Allen was on that team. Everybody was on that team. And it was like there were a couple of minutes left, and they just kind of looked at you. Yeah. And it felt as though they needed you to win the game, right? What habits allow you to consistently come through in the clutch and specifically when it matters most? Just be calm. Just be calm. You know, sometimes we tend to overhype situations. You know, kind of our imagination gets in our own way. Yeah. You know, and at the time, you know, Brian, D-Wade, a lot of those guys, especially Brian, was still young. Yeah. And hadn't really figured out those pressure situations. And for me, it was, I was, it was able to detach myself from it and, uh, and to allow to allow the work that I put in at practice to manifest itself during the game. 
Right, so there's no need to panic. Like I've, I've taken these shots thousands and thousands of times before. Right. Nothing changes. Yeah. Right. If I have games that I've won, games that I've lost at the buzzer, you show up the next morning and you get to practice again anyway. Right. Right. So um, not getting in your own way. Yeah. But that was that was a fun timeout because Coach K was in the timeout going crazy. You guys are gonna fuck this up. We cannot lose this game. Pull it together. And I swear to you, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm looking around. I'm kind of looking at the stands and I'm hearing him rant. I'm seeing his hair moving, his face gets really red and stuff. And uh, you know, Brian's you know biting his fingernails. That's like his habit. And uh, D Wade's like in his zone. Everybody's kind of in there doing their own little thing. And I just had a chance to kind of look around, take it all in. And then, you know, Coach K stands up and he has back issues, right? So he's kind of kneeling down because it's so important. Then he stands up and he kind of like oh, does one of those things. I had to laugh. Uh -huh. So I just started laughing. And Coach K looked at me and goes, it's not funny. I said, I'm sorry, Coach, but we got it, man. We got it. Relax. We got it. He goes, all right, well, show me the black mamba. I was like, oh, my God. Did, he, did you really just say that right now? Did you really just say that right now? Don't worry about it. We're good. I love that. I love that. Money, you know, this, this made me think, my, that's my brother, but he, he, this made me think of something. We met Coach K in Vegas. We happened to be having dinner. I saw him. I respect the heck out of him. Yeah. So I sent over a nice bottle of wine to his table, and then afterwards he came over. We talked for like 10 minutes, yeah. and he told me to ask you this. He said, ask him who's the only coach that has ever asked him to shoot. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Is that, is that, yeah, it was tell him. me about that. Well, there was, uh, you know, looking at the team, and when we put together this team, there was a lot of talk on, you know, how the pieces would fit together. Uh-huh. And looking around at the roster, we had a lot of guys that were capable scorers. Mm -hmm. you know, we had Carmelo, you know, Brian could fill it up, Wade could fill it up, I mean, on and on and on and on. But what we lacked was a, a person that was just going to dedicate themselves to stopping the other team's best player. And at the time, you had the best players on the opposition were generally guards and wings. Uh -huh. And so I said, that's going to be my responsibility. I have the ability, I have the tenacity to do it. I'm going to do it. So that's what I told Coach K. I said, don't look to me to shoot. Let me just lock down these other guys. Give me all the film. And when you show up to play, you got to worry about, you know, Spinulis in the screen roll. Don't worry about him. I'm taking him out of the game. I love that. And so then as the game goes on, especially in close games, he's like, okay, I just want to remind you that you averaged 30 last year. Could you please shoot the fucking ball? Like, all right, man. All right, yo. Relax, man. Relax. Okay, okay, okay. I'll shoot it. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that. I know, right? Imagine that, yeah. So, so another one just off the cuff, because um, I'm giggling here because you mentioned practice a couple times. And yeah. I don't know what it is. Every time I hear the word practice, I think of Allen Iverson. How can you not? How can you not? <laughs> you guys remember that? I was like, practice? What the hell? Practice? So you couldn't be like more polar opposite than that. And I've heard awesome stories about you practicing at crazy hours. What, what was your practice routine like? Uh, the same stuff I do in the game, the same stuff I do in practice, man. Yeah. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing flashy. It's footwork. It's pull-up jumpers. It's uh, turnaround jumpers in the post. It's defensive slides. It's watching film. And you just do those things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And, uh, and that's basically it. I mean, I, I get a kick out of now like because my daughter plays, and so I'm very close to the game, the youth game. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching all these kids and people who are training these kids and I just can't help but laugh. Because they're, they're dribbling with like 10 basketballs at once. And then they're dribbling two basketballs, juggling three tennis balls. I'm like, what the hell? What is going on right now? Like, I don't, did the rules of the sport change or something? We, we're like, 
And, uh, and I wanted to see how my daughter was going to react to one of these videos. Uh -huh. I just wanted to see what her natural reaction was going to be. Uh -huh. And so we started, and she was a you know, shoulder girl that was her age, and she was dribbling with three basketballs, going da 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 So I show her the video, and she goes. <laughs> and walks away. That was it. I was like, oh, okay, mama mentality. Uh, mama okay. mentality. All right, I like it. And that's the next question. What does the mama mentality mean to you? And what are some simple steps that we can take to apply it in business? You know, the most important thing about it is curiosity. Mm. That's the first step. Is, you know, do you have uh, you know, a, a curiosity to learn more and to figure out, you know, it's not good enough to just understand uh, that something worked or didn't work, but you have to figure out why it worked and why it didn't work and then take it a step further, figure out how you can manifest those things into existence the next time, right. right? So like if you take a game, for example, you watch a game happen, you look at a team that goes on a 15 to two run or something like that, and when you're watching the film, most of the times people will look at it and say, okay, yeah, that team played well, that team didn't play well, but no, but you gotta look at why those runs happened, what play started it, and then how do you, how do you stop it? Mm. Right? What little itty bitty things led to a 15-2 run? Yeah. And then you figure out how to make those things happen again. Right. So they don't become an accidental thing, but Absolutely. you play with purpose. And it's the same thing in business. Same thing. Absolutely. I love that. So, uh, so coaching. So, so many today think talent and hard work is enough. And yet I believe the third element is being coachable. Mm -hmm. And uh, Phil Jackson seems to be the exact opposite of you in terms of like personality, yeah. you know. Uh, yet you both worked well together. What's the greatest lesson that you learned from your time under Phil as a head coach? Uh, challenge and confrontation. Challenge and confrontation. Challenge and confrontation. And different people challenge and confront in different ways. Phil was very passive. He's very indirect with it. But he challenged and confronted you nonetheless. Mm media and through other ways. Right? So give me an example of that. Uh, well, you can see he wrote three damn books about me that I still wait on oh. my royalty for. So, <laughs> 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 That's a, you know, um, but you know, there, there would be little things that he would do. Um, for example, there was a season there where I scored 40 straight points in whatever, nine games, whatever it was. And he knew we had Shaq coming back Shaq coming back, I think it was a toe injury at the time. And he played the last two games, both games, which I scored a lot, offenses running through me. And Phil noticed that we were starting to lose Shaq, starting to lose his attention, starting to lose his ability to rebound, starting to lose his tenacity to get after it right. because he wasn't as involved as he used to be. Right. So Phil sits me down and goes, hey, uh, so we're gonna need you to take a back seat. And take a back seat to what? To take a seat, back seat, to Shaq. And so me being 23, his fat ass with the fight. <laughs> not even in shape. <laughs> not in shape. What the hell am I gonna take a backseat to this shit for? Yeah. So <laughs> you know, Phil being very zen. Right. Did the obvious thing, which is nod, and then go to the media and say I'm selfish. Really? <laughs> I love that. Um, I love that. But you know, the more time I had to think about it, he was absolutely right. And that's what we did. The next game is when the 40-point streak stopped and uh, we went on to win another championship. 
But Phil had ways of confronting you and challenging you, but he also wanted that, right? He wanted to create dissension. He wanted to create friction yeah, because he wanted to unite his team to move in one direction, gotcha. right? But at the start of the season, he could foresee issues that were going to come up later in the season. He could foresee that. And so in practice, the way he structured teams, the way he structured shooting groups and things of that nature, had a way of bringing those things to the surface in practice. Right? So we can start dealing with those things in training camp I gotcha. to better prepare ourselves for when those moments would really come to a head. Yeah. I mean, he was an absolutely Absolute genius. I was gonna say that's the word that came out of my mind. Genius. Yeah, he was a genius at it. I mean, he did a lot of weird stuff too, you know, burning incense and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but it all had a serious, serious purpose to it. And uh, and he studied like a maniac, man. This guy could remember every single play. I mean, he knew the background of players and you know how they grew up and you know, how their parents would discipline them and what your insecurity. Like wow. he, oh wow. man, he. Oh yeah, he's about it. Yeah, and then you see him in a game and you're just kind of sitting there. Right. Like, Phil doesn't do anything. It's like, no. man, you go out there and win 12 championships. Right. It, yeah. it doesn't happen on accident. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So teamwork. Yeah. You didn't win five NBA titles without building a great team environment. And I, I think your example alone caused everyone around you to be better, to want to be better. Yet, uh, can you give us an example of how you were able to pull the most out of your teammates when it counted? Pal hates when I use this example. He hates it. I think I'm, I've heard of it, but I want to hear it. I'm going to use it anyway, yeah, just because yeah, it's yeah. just, I just like ribbing pals still. <laughs> um, but we had played them in the gold medal game in, uh, in 08 and beat them, uh -huh. right? And, uh, but coming into that Olympic season there, we had just lost to the Celtics in the finals. And those guys really beat the hell out of us, especially pal. You know, physically, they roughed them up and stuff. So we come back to training camp, the first day of, uh, of practice. And I had my gold medal hanging in his locker. <laughs> and so Powell hardly ever curses. He turns around and goes, motherfucker, this is bullshit. Da, 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 da. I said, well, what are you going to do about it, bro? You lost twice in a row. You don't want to be a loser all, all your life, dude. Got beat by the Celtics. We kicked your ass. And, and now here we are. So at least get one out of those three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> At least get one out of those three. You got to make Spain proud one way or the other. Right, right. Right, and, but the biggest thing for him is playing for country. Yeah. That means everything to him. And, uh, and Powell liked direct confrontation. Mm. He liked it. You know, he enjoyed being challenged because he knew it would bring the best out of him. Other players, not so much. Lamar didn't like to be challenged directly. Yeah. And he would take it, and he'd be just fine. He'd come out and play. But with him, it was more so talking about X's and O's because he was the guy on our team that would go out and communicate everything to everybody else. He was the guy that brought everybody together, right? So if I needed something from Shannon Brown or Josh Powell, I'd go to Lamar and talk about that, 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 and he would go and relay it. I got you. You know what I'm saying? So everybody had their roles, but they just naturally fell into them according to their personality. And what I had to do, which I learned from, you know, from being younger, was to just sit back and observe sit back and observe and listen and see who's naturally, who naturally has what qualities. Because it's not about one leader, but I think a leader's job is to sit back and allow other leaders to take shape. Yeah. And you just simply are there to, to, to guide and, yeah. you know, and funnel things along. Awesome. That's it. Awesome. 
Give Kobe a round of applause, guys. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. so I, I got to tell you, man, I, I've, this is four years in a row, and, uh, and y there's just something about your personality. You're pretty, like, pretty chill. Yeah. I, I think the staff did a good job at scaring the shit out of us, just so you know. And, and, but that, but that, but that, no, but that's a good thing because they put the standards up there, but you're like, yeah. you're, you're pretty chill. So this is good. I love this. All right. So, I, so this is funny. I think I would have had a difficult time walking on the court with a sprained ankle, let alone a torn Achilles. So what was going on in your head at that moment, and how did you push past, past that pain? Because that's like one of the, like, the Kobe moments, right? Uh, I didn't, the pain wasn't important. You know, the most important thing was winning that game. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, the pain, I wasn't think, I was trying to think of how to get around it. So it, it wasn't like I was, okay, this, this thing hurts. I got to try to deal with it. That wasn't the thought process. The thought process was how can I get through this for two minutes to be a threat on the court so we can win this damn game, right? So as I'm walking, I'm trying to figure out different ways to walk. Because if you, you know, when you tear your Achilles, it's like a spring. So I can't go on my toe. Can't, I just can't do it. So I try to walk on my heel and try to kind of take step by step, see if I can walk on my heel, see if I can, maybe I can run on my heel. And so that was the thought process, man, is trying to figure out how I can play with this thing. And then I start feeling the Achilles roll up my calf. And I was like, ah, you know. You literally feel that. Yeah, yeah, oh, you feel man. it sliding up. I was like, I, I probably should go sit down. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> I go sit down. <laughs> If I go sit down, but you know, but if you think about it though, like if you look at players that get injured, for example, or you may have a cramp or something like that, if you if you if you take a person that pulls a hamstring, pops a hammy, can't play, team shelves you for two three weeks, whatever the case may be. Yeah. All right. Now this player is sitting at home, sitting on the couch, watching TV, whatever it may be, resting the hamstring. Right. Kids are upstairs doing whatever right, wipes around, whatever, and all of a sudden a massive fire breaks out in the home. And you gotta go get your kids. You're not gonna say, oh, you know what? My hamstring, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> right? You're gonna get up yeah. and you're gonna run, yeah. you're gonna grab your kids, you're gonna do what you need to do to right. get your family right. safe, yeah. right? You're not gonna feel your yeah, hamstring. Absolutely. Right, it's not important enough, it's not important enough. And if, and if winning is that important to you, then the injuries don't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the obstacles, or the excuses, <laughs> or matter. nothing, nothing. Doesn't matter. I love that, I love that. So one of the reasons I picked you for this year, um, and, and specifically to speak to our audience, was because I know you're a great father. And like, I, I, couldn't exp I couldn't think about having this event without my kids running around and selling shirts in the bag. I, I just, I, I want them to be a part of it. You know what all I'm right. saying? Aaron ate all of your M&Ms yes. back there. That, which was awesome, by the way. Was awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. He was so polite, too. He oh, waited for yeah. me to show up and he was like, um, can I have some of these? I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, of course. Take a cup full, man. Yeah. He's, been, he's been high-fiving her. He's, it's been awesome. <laughs> he's so, going to be up here running sprints up and down the thing pretty soon. He probably would that, that unless sugar, somebody's That sugar holding. rush kick yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in, well, I'm just going to ask you, how do you find balance in your life, the type of balance that allows you to win at whatever you apply your mind to, yet also win at what's most important, which is raising your girls? Four girls now. Four girls, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a handful. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a very zen thing, I think. But it's, you know, whatever you're doing in the moment is what you're doing. Yeah. 
Whatever you're doing at that time is the most important thing that you're doing at that time. And when you behave that way, it's not so much about, you know, work and life, you know, being this balance, being this infinite balance beam, and you're trying to walk it perfectly. That's not what it is. You're always going to kind of, you know, you're going to do a flip and you're going to be like this. Oh, shit. And then you're going to come back. And then you're going to do another flip and you're going to be like, oh, shit. You know? Right. And on one side you have life and family, and on the other side you have work, man. Right. And so you have obsessions and whatever you're doing at that moment in time, that is where your focus is. So as a result, you're going to keep going back and forth like this, back and forth like this, back and forth like this, back and forth like this. And that's the gift and the curse of the life that we've chose to, chose to lead, absolutely, man. Absolutely, absolutely. It's never really stable in one direct line. Right. It's always going to be back and forth. I love that. And, and, and I see right now, you're spending a lot of time with the girls, coaching them, helping them. Yep. How does that feel? That must feel incredible. No, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, man, to be able to have the time to watch them grow up. And you know, retiring at the time that I did was, was, was perfect for where Natalia was, you know, Gianna and Bianca and now Coco. So it, it, it's, I'm very, very blessed, man, to be around them every single day and you know, have bath time and breakfast yeah. and lunch and dinner together. It's, uh, it's awesome. Awesome. So I know you're doing a lot for youth sport, but you also have a studio. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Well, you know, the studio really just started from uh, my children. You know, my kids are athletes, and uh, they got tired of hearing me trying to teach them stuff, right? Like today, they go, Dad, where are you going? I'm going to go speak. Speak for what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a leadership conference. Or, but what do you have to say? I'm like, dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. <laughs> I mean, all right. So because of that, yeah. <laughs> I've had to figure out different ways to teach them life lessons, yeah. right? Because, you know, just like every parent, the more wisdom you give to your kids after a while, it starts becoming white noise, right? But what they do love is they do love story. They do love entertainment. So the idea of the studio originally just started with creating stories for them about perseverance, about dedication, about dealing with pressure, dealing with failure and all these things, and putting them into these very character-driven stories that involve magic and sports, mm. right? And so that's where Granity Studios was born. I said, okay, we need to do more content like this because we don't have content for athletes that involve magic and fantasy and all these sorts of things that teach these very, very valuable life lessons. And uh, so here we are. And, and it does it in a fun way that they can understand. Oh, it's just entertainment, man. Yeah. It's fun. It's, uh, it's fun. It's entertaining. And you know, there are a lot of things that are inherently uh, in sports. You know, yeah. and, and, and the fear that's there and the love and the passion and disappointment. It's just about how do you bring those to the surface. Right. And uh, we figured out how to do that. Awesome. So uh, this is my final question. And I want to show you a, a, a clip real okay. fast. All um, right. Can we have the... Uh, the team show this clip real fast. I think you guys have it. This was just, what, three weeks ago or so. Yeah, do you guys have it? No? Da, 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 yeah, right? And by the way, if you have a question for Kobe, now would be your time to kind of get ready and, and make that happen. <laughs> Go back for one more year. But that's why, that's why I want to show you guys this clip, actually. That's why I want to show you guys this clip. Go back for five years. Go back for five years. 
<laughs> All right, so, so why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Oh, it's coming on when, right now? Is it coming on? They are over there shitting bricks right yeah, now. Yeah, they are right now, right? Just relax. It's, it's all right. It happens. It's Kobe relax. Bryant and you're messing relax. it up. Here. Here. Take, take your time, get it right. We ain't going nowhere. We're chilling, so. Yeah. It's fine. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, thank you guys, thank you. If you guys don't know, that there's something called the Drew League. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the Drew League um, is a league, you guys can shout that out, thank you. And the Drew League is a league where, I, I didn't know this, I just happened to like stumble across as yeah. I was getting ready for this, where like a bunch of like NBA stars come and amateur basketball players come, and yep. that was James Harden guarding you, by the yep. way, right? Yep. How long ago was that? God, I don't know, maybe it was, Jesus. Uh, seven, seven years ago, maybe? Six, seven Oh, that was ago? seven years ago. It must have been. Oh, I thought that was like last week or something. I'm old as shit. <laughs> oh my God. Damn, that was a long time ago. Damn. Yeah, I thought that was recent. No. No, DeMar DeRozan played in that game too. Oh wow. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a it was a fun matchup. Okay, well then I was gonna ask you how's it feel to be able to still do what you do. Oh well Yeah, so <laughs> well, uh, I I haven't played a game since my last game against Utah. Okay. I haven't played a game since. And uh, you know, my focus has been and it's not for, you know, like I love the game still, but you know, seeing my daughter play is more thrilling and more exciting than anything I've ever done, and watching her develop as a player and as a person has been awesome um, on the court. But like the the coming into my retirement year and everybody saying, "Well, what are you going to do next?" Like, you'll always come back to basketball, and and they meant it as like a compliment, but I took it as an insult. I did, I did. It was like another challenge. It was like, listen, yes, I play the game, but I can do other stuff too. It's not like I, I can just play basketball, bro. I can sit here and, right, right, you know? Right, yeah. So that's why I will, I will never, I will never come back to basketball, because I just want to tell those fuckers, see, you were wrong. Yeah. Awesome. No, you're wrong, bro. I love that. I love that. So it's time to focus on other things and try to be as good as at those and pay attention to every little detail with those as, as I did in my 20-year NBA career and see where we end up 20 years from now. Nice. I like that. Give yeah. Kobe a round of applause, guys. Thank you.